leading the conversation. We have the likes of Tina um, Tengwani on the line, who's about to tell us about social media trends happening in the past 72 hours. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am fantastic. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Just trying to stretch and start my day. Apart right. from that, all yes. is well. Lovely. So quite a bit has been happening uh, in and around us. And we need to start off the conversation with hashtag Vusi Tembekwayo. Now, there have been reports uh, that he had uh, abused, assaulted his wife, and he then spent a day in prison. He came out to also say that, you know, my family's life has always been private and it will remain that way. How are people in the social communities taking this response? Vusi Tembekwayo is a very influential person in South Africa. Mm. And part of what makes him of what makes him central to our conversations is the influence that he has and how he has been able to positively impact young people to go into business and lead positive lives. And now what is happening is I don't wanna call it strange, but what is happening is that we are beginning to actually be in a position to question and see the human element of people such as Vusitem Bikoye because everybody has problems and everybody has got, you know, a different way of understanding what is happening to their lives. But I will highlight I will highlight that gender based violence is a sporadic problem in South Africa and we we, we, we actually need to go beyond just change and actually, you know, begin to take some account and if Hosi has been responsible for gender based violence then he must go to a court of law and and absorb himself and prove himself to be innocent. Because we are dealing with a serious problem and it is not adequate for us to be discussing it only via social media. Mm. So we are dealing with a very serious problem in South Africa and it is my hope that Hosi is indeed innocent and if he is not, he must face the full might of the law. Sure. Um, so there was a publication that reported that he cancelled his trip to Dubai and they claimed that he dragged his wife out of bed and told her to pack her bags and leave. How is he responding to all of this? And the reason why we're having this conversation is to see how public figures respond to the element of being human and potentially the element of being wrong. You know? Yeah. That one is a, is, is a very difficult bone of contention. However, we are beginning to learn that gender-based violence is not something that happens in a shack somewhere in Kailicha. Mm. It is it, even accusations of it are things that happen even to prominent people from whom we expect, you know, role models in terms of their behavior and in terms of how they respond to these accusations. So we're beginning to see that Perhaps things are not as rosy as we would like them to be, especially in the view of, you know, the people you look up to. However, if that did happen, then it is something that really, really needs to be addressed. Yes. And what are some of the crucial commentary that is coming from uh, this conversation pertaining to gender-based violence? I am not going to look at the comments per se, but I'm just going to go through the lessons that we can, we can perhaps take away from what is happening. Yes. What we are learning here is that 
gender-based violence continues to be a problem, and in as much as it continues to be a problem, it is a problem that is not only faced by the poor or faced by those, you know, whom society doesn't consider to be prominent, but it is something that is there and it is something that ought to be dealt with. However, for me, the best place to deal with this is the courts. Because at the end of the day, Fosi is a very prominent and influential being. Though that is the case, he needs to go and prove himself, and then we can fully be aware that he's innocent or not. And he needs to really do something in order to to, 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 to rekindle his, his public image. Because right now, what we are seeing is a bunch of statements, mm. but those statements are not actually assisting in anything. So what we need to see, we need to see a repentant voice and a voice that is actually responsible in taking care of his family and wife. Alrighty, let's move on to the next hashtag, birth certificates. Now, the Consortium of Refugees and Migrants South Africa took it to the streets to protest outside home affairs um, in Pretoria this last week. Now, they were demanding certificates to be issued to foreign national children. Why is this not happening in home affairs? Home affairs has always had a backlog of any and everything that I can imagine. Mm. So, the very existence of this protest is perhaps an indication that something needs to go right at home affairs because not having a birth I, I not having um a birth certificate is tantamount to not having an identity. Yes. So this is something that is very pressing and it is something that needs to happen urgently. Sure. Um so my understanding is that there's a backlog of work at home affairs and these children then need to go to school. Is there sort of if there a conversation around that how we're going to deal with these uh, foreign national children enrolling next year? There's conversations happening, but what I am hoping for is that those conversations end up being expedited action because Really, if you do not have a birth certificate in South Africa, then in essence, there's nothing that you can do. Mm. You can't have access to health. You can't have access to education. You can't have access to so many basic things. So it is quite important that decisive action is taken. And beyond just lip service, it is quite important because those kids, those children are being denied the right to an identity. And without an identity, you basically don't have access to life. Sure. Uh, now, we note in 2019, uh, Grahamstown High Court declared the Department of Basic Edu- Education admission to policy for barring undocumented both South African and non-South African children and st- unconstitutional. Sorry. Now, if this is the case, if this happened in 2019, why is there a problem between the children attending school and them being issued identification. We get it's a problem for you not to have documents, but this yes. was barred unconstitutional. Therefore, why can't the kids attend? There's, there's, there's quite um, a, a huge um, challenge there because there is one thing for a court to declare it unconstitutional, but it is another thing for decisive action to be taken in order to change the unconstitutionality or the unconstitutional nature of children not having um, identity documents. Mm. So the, the the backlog is there beyond 
just the foreign children who need birth certificate. Yes. Birth certificate, sorry. So something drastic, extremely drastic needs to change in the Department of Home Affairs. Mm. And what is the mis- uh, what is the Minister Aaron uh, Mutueledi saying on this? The Minister Aaron Mutueledi is, I, I don't want to call it PR work, but I will call it PR work because he is promising to take decisive action, but the, 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 the output has been quite slow mm. because they have not put in the necessary infrastructure to even expedite the, 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 the issuing of this certificate and many other problems and many other things that are required from the Department of Home Affairs. Truth. Truth. Let's move on to the next hashtag, uh, competition uh, commission. Now, landmark agreement with Lancet on COVID-19 PCR testing price reduced to 500 from 850 rand. I know that uh, it was called abusing the price by private labs. What is the response uh, since the reduction has taken immediate effect? I am quite excited about this one because it means it allows access to testing. And when you know your status, even your COVID-19 status, you are in a better position to be able to respond to whatever it is that your status is. Mm. But one thing that I'm learning is that big pharmaceuticals or huge companies take advantage of, take advantage of, um, you know, even COVID-19, and they take advantage because there's gross ignorance among South African society to a point where they are easily exploitable. Because in any chance, they don't know what the prices should be, and they just accept the situation as it is. And it's quite, it's been unfair, actually. Mm. So I'm quite excited about this particular one because it means there's going to be greater access to testing, and therefore people can be able to take better care of their health. My question is, with uh, the current retrenchment, with COVID-19 being a pivotal uh, uh, sort of influence and people losing jobs and the likes, um, yeah. and the economy really slowly, slowly shutting down, is 500 rand really a good drop? It's still not, but it is indeed indicative that perhaps there's been a lot of corruption that has been happening, which has then been denying people access to testing. Perhaps 500 rand is still a lot. However, it presents an opportunity for, you know, people to get greater access. And we, we, we just need to keep observing the situation because it is possible that perhaps the price can drop. Because if it went from 800 plus to 500, then there's good hope that we can actually get it to a lower price. So indeed, 500 is too high, but yes. it is indeed indicating that things can get better. And in your own opinion, what do you think the price tag should be? What do you think is suitable uh, for the average South African? What do you think is affordable? My, my honest answer is that nobody should have to pay for a COVID-19 test. Because sure. this, is a, this is a global pandemic, and unless you know your status, you can never be able to respond to it. So for me, this should not be coming at a cost. My goodness. I couldn't agree more. Hashtag Tabombeki. Now, former President Tabombeki says that the ANC has attracted and retained opportunists and careerists. What was this conversation about? 
this is this is quite interesting for me because yes. a lot of the time never misses an opportunity to take a jab at the current ANC leadership. Mm. Now, what is more concerning and, of course, interesting for me is whether or not he doesn't have avenues to actually directly address and influence the ANC. You would remember that ANC is a party that prides itself itself in its elders, and mm. it is a party that prides itself in being able to seek you know, advice and to seek guidance from its elders. What I'm more concerned about is whether or not Tawambig is actually working against the ANC, even without him being aware of it. Sure. Now, why because would... In, mm, mm, please, go on. Because th- that, that is his party. Mm. He should perhaps be able to, inf- to infiltrate from within. So what is more interesting for me is how Tawambig is positioning, is constantly positioning himself against the actions of his party, whereas he actually declares himself as an affiliate of the party. So I'm quite interested in that, in those dynamics there. Given the fact that you've mentioned this, he's positioned himself against uh, the ANC's sort of judgment upon certain things. What do you think is his intention for that behavior? You know, um, I think he has come to a point where it's a matter of either using a platform, the platform, the platforms he gets, mm. or not having his voice heard. In other words, he needs to make as much for him. I feel like he needs to make as much noise as possible in order to get them to a position where they actually self-correct. Because a lot of analysts, myself included, would argue that the ANC has not quite been the beacon of hope that it presented itself to be. So, you know, in order for them to self-correct, to self-correct perhaps Tabundi feels that he needs to make as much noise as possible and to be as tough as possible with them. However, whether that is a good strategy, whether that is a good thing to do is is up to each person listening to him. It is up to each of us to make sense of it. However, I don't necessarily see it as a good thing because if you are part of something, for instance, if you are part of the ANC and then you position yourself outside of the ANC, then there's a contradiction there. Sure. A house divided never conquers, I suppose. Next, we should be chatting all things Abu Dhabi GP. Now, I know that a lot of Hamilton fans were speculating uh, that Verstappen was given this victory. Is that true? I would never say he was given the victory. (laughs) Yes. A a series of unfortunate things happened to Hamilton, but Verstappen was not given the victory. Perhaps we are struggling to just accept that Hamilton lost. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so for those who are tuned in right now who don't know what happened on the tracks, would you kindly explain to us what happened? So, um, what had happened, I stand corrected, right? Yes. So what had happened was that Hamilton was leaving for a while. Mm. And then an unfortunate accident happened that allowed him to be overtaken by Verstappen. Mm. All right. So there's a lot of controversy around that, whether it was fair or not. However, in sports, you can never actually, you know, be entitled to winning. It's a competition anyway. 
So we, I'm saying we, in inverted commas, must just accept that it's sport and whatever happened, happened. <laughs> whatever happened, happened. A few friends of mine who were at the event um, would completely disagree with you but then again you know you do have the right to say whatever happened happened thank you so much for your time um absolutely enjoyed this conversation thank you so much we're going to be stepping into some music and when we get back we chat all things the wellness corner and we're talking all things overcoming toxic positivity but for now diamond platinum's featuring coffee olomo